From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up, yesterday was day 90 since Vice President Harris was tapped by President Joe Biden as the borders are. But she has yet to visit the southern border, even though last month we saw another record in illegal entries into the U.S. House Republicans are now calling for President Biden to remove her and put someone in charge of the crisis who will at least be willing to visit the border and see firsthand the situation. Texas Congressman Michael Cloud, who is spearheading the call to the president, joins us in just a moment. Also, the new president-elect of Iran, that is Abraham Raisi, was issuing demands yesterday upon the Biden administration. My serious proposal to the United States government is that is for them to return in an expedient manner to their commitments and do away with sanctions. The Iranian leader calling for the U.S. to drop all sanctions. Should the U.S. even negotiate with Raisi, who has been personally sanctioned for human rights abuses? Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is here for that conversation. And earlier today, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas challenged the Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral Michael Gilday, for sailing a woke agenda. Claim that capitalism is essentially racist possibly be something with which you would agree. So I have to go back to the book to take a look at that. Senator Cotton, along with Congressman Dan Crenshaw of Texas, have launched a whistleblower campaign within the ranks of the military to expose how critical race theory is being pushed throughout the military in so-called diversity training. Senator Cotton joins us later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. Let me, uh, again, thank all of those who have joined us in this fiscal year end uh, match campaign that we have going on. I want to thank you because because of your support, Family Research Council will continue to be here in our nation's capital, but Washington Watch will continue on airwaves across America. We still have a few days left, and there is still a match match available. So if you'd like to partner with the Family Research Council, partner with Washington Watch to ensure that this program continues, well, we've got folks standing by to take your call because every dollar that you get between now and June 30th will be matched. becomes $100, and every dollar counts. In this cancel culture where conservatives are being being deplatformed, we actually create a platform for you to hear from these conservative leaders. Give us a call, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. And one of our team members is standing by to take your call. Again, that number, 800-225-4008. Four zero zero eight. Before I go to my uh, first guest, I do want to make you aware of something, an opportunity coming up next week. A key battlefront in America's culture war is our nation's schools. I mean, we've been talking about it. Uh, if you're ready to go to duty, then I want you to go to frc.org slash schools or just go to TonyPerkins.com. We've got a link to register for FRC Action School Board Boot Camp. That's next Tuesday, June the 29th, from 1230 to 430 Eastern Time. 
This is something you can't afford to miss. If you're concerned about what's happening in your communities, what's happening in your children's schools, then join us in this effort to take back the schools of America. Go to our school board boot camp uh, meeting next week. That's uh, Again, that's June the 29th, 1230 to 430 Eastern Time. To find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com. Yesterday, on her 90th day as the border czar, Vice President Kamala Harris was in Pittsburgh to encourage community leaders there to help the Biden administration get the word out about the increase and expansion of the child tax credit. Uh, One increase that she'd rather the American people not talk about is the sharp increase in the number of migrants that have been encountered at the southern border since January. In May, there were more than 180,000, yet another increase from the more than 178,000 in April. At this time last year, there were only around 23,000. With the Biden administration facing a continuing crisis on the southern border, a group of more than 50 House Republicans are pressing the president to task someone who will be serious about facing the border crisis. With me now to talk about this is one of those members, Congressman Michael Cloud, who represents the 27th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you. It's really good to be here, and thank you for covering this important topic. All right, so let's just jump right into it, Congressman. Yeah. Um, has the vice president, uh, has she lived up to her responsibilities as the borders are? No, I, the first step would be going to the border, and I was there just a couple weeks ago, and everywhere we asked, we asked, have you seen the borders are? And no one had seen the borders are. It's uh, really, it's a, it's a negligence of duty right now, you know, to be 90 days into this and not have visited the border. Uh, it's, it's tragic. Any idea, Congressman Cloud, why the vice president has not gone to the border? She went to Mexico. She went to Guatemala, but she couldn't stop at the border. Right. Uh, it, the best answer that I could come up with is simply the fact that they seem to want what's happening at the border, this crisis that's going on the border. It's a national security crisis, a humanitarian crisis. They want it to happen for some reason. Uh, she talks about searching for the root causes. Well, let me say, if you don't know the root causes of what's going on at the border, uh, anyone who knows anything about the border knows what's going on there. You shouldn't have been running for president. Uh, and so this is uh, just... Uh, shirking her duty uh, to uphold the law of the land, the same oath that any one of us serving from the Border Patrol agent guarding guarding the border to those of us serving in Congress, to the law enforcement throughout communities that I represent, uh, we take that oath seriously to uphold the laws of the land, to defend the Constitution, to protect the communities that, that have elected us uh, to serve. And, uh, you know, so we need to see some real action coming from this White House. Uh, Congressman, I'm going to pl- I know everybody's probably seen this clip. I know you've seen it. it it's from June the 8th. It's an interview with NBC Lester Holt. Uh, but I think it just kind of sets the stage as how she's looking at this responsibility, almost kind of laughing it off. Uh, play clip number two. Okay. Do you have any plans to visit the border? I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole this whole this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border, we've been to the border. You haven't been to the border, I, and I haven't been to Europe, and I mean I don't I don't understand the point that you're making. 
Well, I mean, right now, I'm not aware of a crisis that we're responsible for in Europe, but I am very much aware of a crisis that we have on our southern border because of the policies this administration has put in place. Right. And one of the very first duties of any of us serving the communities that have elected us is to protect and defend the the communities that have elected us. And so it's tragic that the Biden administration has decided to aid and abet cartels who control the southern side of our border, every every single aspect of it. Anything that goes through the border passes through cartels. They charge thousands and thousands of dollars to the migrants that come across the border. Um, Many of them don't have it to pay at that moment, so they they are indentured to to serve them uh, once they basically come to our border patrol, uh, and, and then they're they're processed through our our border patrol apparatus and, and HHS and and all the agencies serving there, and then they're basically distributed throughout the United States, where the cartels oftentimes pick up and continue that uh, diabolical relationship with them and continued indentured servitude. So I've visited facilities where there's uh, hundreds of young women uh, and, and the majority of them having been sexually abused along the journey. We know that now drugs are, it's always been an issue at the border, but now we're seeing record numbers of fentanyl enter the United States. Uh, Five times what, there's enough fentanyl that's crossed the border to kill every American five times, uh, you know, and and so this is, uh, this is serious issues. So this stuff is affecting our communities. It's affecting not only the border communities in Texas, but it's uh, going throughout our nation as well. And many cities are now beginning to realize that they're indeed border cities as well. To be clear, this is not just illegals coming across the border from, uh, you know, south of our border. These are uh, how many different countries now have we identified as coming across this border? Well over 100 countries have been apprehended at the border. And it's important to note, too, when you talk about the numbers of 180,000 encounters, they also have what they call the detected and gotaways. In other words, we we noticed they were at the border through whatever sensors we had in place, but then they got away. But then there's the ones that we're really concerned about are the ones that are undetected and got away. You know, recently in my community, there's a known human smuggler so they had been apprehended before a known human smuggler apprehended uh, just about 10 minutes from from my house and where my family resides and those in my community known human smuggler apprehended they began looking at the phone and the records at, at the scene and realized that there were connections to ms-13 and isis uh that person was handed over to the federal authorities they went to a trial and eventually was released into the public in our district and and you know uh, we should all be able to agree that protecting our communities from the likes of MS-13 and ISIS right. is pretty important. But what we have here is an administration who's turning a blind eye, and therefore the cartels that have wreaked havoc on countries like Mexico and become a destabilizing force for so many communities are beginning to gain a foothold in many of the communities here in the United States. Do, do you think maybe part of the reason they don't want to go to the southern border is that they know that the press will go and that will give legitimacy to the crisis? So they're thinking maybe if we don't pay any attention to it, the media won't pay attention to it and the American public won't know about it? Well, that's very well possibly one of the reasons. I can tell you when I've gone, I've taken media. I, I took our a couple of years ago when I went on one of our first trips, I, I, I took our district media with them because I – 
And it was amazing to watch the reporters who had one particular viewpoint within 15 minutes of being boots on the ground talking about people, what's going on. You begin to realize that these stories that may seem like an exaggeration are actually barely scratching the surface of what's going on down there. You know, when you talk to Border Patrol people who've had to take people to the hospital because a 50 caliber round came from Mexico, went through their wall and, and hit the individual in their own home, you know, you realize that that's the stuff that's not making the nightly news, but the stories you hear when you're talking to the boots on the ground. You know, you can talk to the ranchers who often, sadly, tragically find dead bodies on their own property, but also are concerned about letting their own family talk, walk around their own property because of what they have come across at times. Uh, I talked to one rancher who sent his daughter out to get something in the, in the barn, and she walked in on a cartel meeting uh, that was occurring. And, and so this is, it's horrific that this is being allowed to happen, we have to realize that lawlessness is not a form of compassion at all. Right. Uh, compassion is to be able to uphold the laws of land, to care for the, the people of our communities, uh, and, and let's tell the cartels that we are going to strongly oppose their efforts here in the United States. Absolutely. Um, and and we'll, we'll help get that uh, message out. In fact, uh, Congressman, maybe we'll take Washington watch with you to the border so that we can uh, let people all across the country know exactly what is happening there on our uh, southern border. Uh, Congressman, yes, uh, so good to have you with us. Thanks for your leadership on so many issues, uh, and this one in particular. Well, thank you. Good talking with you today. God bless. Right. Congressman Michael Cloud of, uh, of Texas. You know, as he pointed out, 180 have been apprehended. They've, they've connected with them. They've, they've, they've uh, interacted with those at the border. But how many got through? Nobody really knows. And this is not just about illegals coming into the country. It's about some people coming in to do harm and bring in drugs and everything else. All right, don't go away. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is here next to talk about the new Iranian leader. That's next. What is Roe versus Wade and what did it do? The Supreme Court's 1973 decision ruled that abortion is protected under the U.S. Constitution, striking down many state abortion restrictions and severely limiting the extent to which states could write their own abortion laws. The Supreme Court's limitations on states to legislate abortion restrictions depends on the trimester of a pregnancy. For instance, Roe disallows states from restricting abortions in the first trimester, but allows some restrictions on abortions in the third trimester. What Roe doesn't do is require states to have any restrictions. Abortion through all nine months of pregnancy is the default, unless Congress or the individual states pass laws restricting it. That leaves a lot of room for unrestricted abortions. For a full explanation of how Roe v. Wade liberalized abortion laws, go to frc.org explainer. That's frc.org explainer. After the recent wave of media censorship, are you struggling to find a conservative, relevant, and Christian platform where you can find out what's really going on? Here at Family Research Council, we believe that Americans have a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. If you're ready to hear the facts that the left doesn't want you to know about, then head over to frcblog.com to check out our latest blog posts. We cover a wide range of issues you and your family care about, all written by our policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview experts. We discuss topics that other media platforms won't, like changes in pro-life policy, current events that affect Christians internationally, 
sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the bigger picture of the shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, visit frcblog.com. That's frcblog.com. Would you like to spend more time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible with their Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. This reading plan takes you through the Bible as events happen in history. Laying out the scripture every day in an engaging manner, it is key to helping us stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start reading today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to uh, to have you with us. All right. Uh, yesterday, Iran's president-elect, hardliner Ibrahim Raisi, held his first news conference since his victory in Friday's election. Now, during the news conference, Raisi called on the U.S. to immediately return to the nuclear deal and insisted that Iran's ballistic missile program was non-negotiable. Here's what he had to say serious proposal to the United States government is that is for them to return in an expedient manner to their commitments and do away with sanctions in doing so by they would prove their sincerity regional and uh, missile issues are not up for negotiation now, he, uh, as I mentioned there, he called on all U.S. sanctions to be lifted that have crippled the Iranian economy, accusing the U.S. of breaking its promises. Now, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked about Raisi's accusation, and here's a clip of that exchange. Jen, one more question about Iran. Um, on Ibrahim Raisi, the new president-elect, um, he has said that he's accusing the U.S. of breaking promises, saying, quote, based on the nuclear deal, you were obligated to lift the sanctions and you did not fulfill your commitment. What does the president have to say about that? And then secondly, he's under U.S. sanctions for the 1988 political uh, prisoner executions. So um, how do you deal with him? Well, first let me say that... Um, The new president uh, will, of course, be held accountable for violations of human rights on his watch going forward. Um, We strongly urge the Iranian government, regardless of who is in power, to uh, release political prisoners, improve respect for human rights and fundamental freedoms for all Iranians. With me now to talk more about the Biden administration's approach to Iran and the nuclear deal is the former U.S. Secretary of State in the Trump administration, our good friend, Mike Pompeo. Mike, welcome back to the program. 
Tony, it's great to be with you again. Thanks for having me on today. Well, let's start with, I want to start with the sanctions against Raisi himself. These were personal sanctions that were put in place in 2019 during your tenure. What was the motivation for those sanctions against him? So, Tony, there were multiple sanctions against uh, Abraham Raisi. You know, you referred to him as the president. I, I suppose that's true. He was selected, however, not elected by the regime, by the clerical regime. Uh, there was no process. There was no true vote there. Uh, this man is the butcher of Tehran. He was sanctioned because he had overseen the death and execution of political dissidents and the numbering in the thousands back in what's called the Massacre of 1988. He is a horrific human being, and we place sanctions on him accordingly. He's also been engaged in all kinds of malign activity. After that, he is he is truly part of the the regime's kleptocracy, the theocracy. He is revolutionary in the way he thinks about Iran. And frankly, he's done a lot of damage around the world, but mostly he's done harm to the Iranian people. And we supported the Iranian people at every turn, and that's why uh, the sanctions were put in place, Tony. You go back to his election here that he was anointed by the supreme leader, Ayatollah uh, Khamenei, and in fact, he's the one that put him in that supreme judicial role uh, in which he oversaw the judiciary and the prisons in uh, Iran. That's right. He's clearly being put in place for a couple of reasons. One is he's a young man. He could well oversee Iranian policy for the next 20 or 30 years. The Ayatollah Khamenei is not a young man. Um, he may well move off the stage in the next handful of years, and I think he's giving Raisi the chance to set up shop, to build out his Republican Guard credentials, to build up the revolutionary credentials, ultimately to likely be made the replacement for the Supreme Leader himself. That would be a horrific outcome for the Iranian people. Let me go back to these sanctions for a moment, because this is something that, um, in, in my capacity at the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, we've watched these because of human rights abuses and religious freedom abuses, which Iran is notorious for. Um, did you notice what uh, the press secretary, Jen Psaki, she sidestepped the question about the personal sanctions, uh, but that's also in keeping with what Jake Sullivan said over the weekend when he was being interviewed by Chris Wallace. Uh, he, again, deflected when it came to the personal sanctions, saying we're not going to get into those because that's uh, we're ongoing negotiations. Could uh, this, uh, the Biden administration, I mean, do you think that they would put on the table these personal sanctions against uh, um, uh, him in exchange for a nuclear deal? Tony, it seems unimaginable to me that they would do this, but I've also watched this administration follow the Obama-Biden policies down a rat hole in other places, much like this as well. So um, I suppose it's possible. They are clearly thinking about it and don't know what they're going to do, because you're right, now they've had at least two public opportunities to respond to that question. And importantly, at least of us this morning, you know, the State Department comments on every election in every country. It was a good election. It was a bad election. It was a medium election. They haven't said a word yet about this farce of an Iranian election. That tells you that there are very few things that they aren't prepared to sacrifice for the Holy Grail, the, this article of faith that is the JCPOA. And when, when, when you listen to Raisi yesterday, he heard Secretary Blinken say longer and stronger about the New Deal, that it would be longer and it would be stronger. And what he said yesterday was, no way, not stronger. We're not going to talk about missiles. We're not going to talk about terror. That would be stronger. And we want you to rejoin the old deal. 
In other words, no longer. A clear pathway to a nuclear weapon within the next nine years are the demands the Iranians are making. And if we hand them billions of dollars and lift sanctions on Ray Easy to achieve that, it would be cataclysmically bad for the region, be really bad for our friend and ally Israel, and present enormous risk to the United States as well. Uh, Mike, when he says, uh, Raisi even said he's not going to enter in negotiations with Biden, he's not going to talk with Biden. How does that, how does that communicate uh, good intentions? Well, this is a regime that is stubborn and is a theocratic, revolutionary regime. For the Biden administration to believe that they could lift sanctions, hand them a bunch of money, begin constructive engagement, and change the nature of the regime is farcical. They're, they're not going to change. They have been moving rightward for the last 20 years. Uh, th these are deeply committed revolutionaries, and protection of the revolution is what they will achieve at all costs. I don't understand how you can travel to Vienna and negotiate with someone like Gracie and his henchmen, how you can negotiate with a regime that provided weapon systems to Hamas that launched rockets into Israel. Uh, but th these are things that are, to, to ordinary Americans all across the country, make no sense no, whatsoever. And as a matter of national security policy, make even less sense. Uh, Mr. Secretary, we're up against a break. Stick around. We're coming right back with more after this. Folks, stay with us. We're going to continue our conversation. Where do you get your news? Do you have confidence you're getting the full truth? If you want to stay up to date on conservative news and are looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged, then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Stay informed with a trusted source. Again, search Stand Firm to download the Stand Firm app. As the political and cultural landscape of our nation has shifted in a concerning direction, it is so important for Christians to be equipped with biblical answers for the difficult questions of our time. That is why Family Research Council created our Biblical Worldview series. With the political left changing definitions to favor their narrative and to push their agenda, at times it can be hard to decipher what is true. That is why we must hold to the truth of the Bible, which stands the test of time. It holds the truth that does not change. Become equipped to stand firm in the face of cultural and political storms with FRC's Biblical Worldview series. This series dives deep into what the Bible says about some of the most crucial issues of our day. You'll learn what the Bible teaches on abortion, same-sex marriage, the separation of church and state, religious freedom, and the age-old question, should Christians be involved in politics? To access this series, visit frc.org worldview. That's frc.org worldview. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Uh, joining me, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Uh, Mr. Former Secretary, thanks for uh, sticking around. I want to switch gears from Iran, which is obviously a big topic, very concerning. 
uh, back to Russia with the, the president having the meeting, uh, President Biden having a meeting with uh, President uh, Vladimir Putin last week. And, uh, and I'm going to play a very qu- quick clip of uh, a conversation Chris Wallace asking uh, Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor, about the meeting last week with Putin. In the summit, uh, just to take one quick example, uh, President Biden said, here are 16 areas uh, of critical infrastructure I don't want you to attack, which seems to it seemed to imply, well, if you attack the 17th area of critical infrastructure, that's okay. Why didn't Biden say to Putin, look, no more cyber attacks, period, or you're going to face the consequences? So first of all, it's pretty extraordinary to hear Donald Trump's Secretary of State talking about weakness in the face of Vladimir Putin when we all saw what happened in Helsinki. And the summit in Geneva was a study in contrast to what happened in Helsinki. Privately in the room, President Biden communicated to President Putin that there would be costs and consequences if harmful activities against the United States continued. Publicly in his press conference, he not only spoke out about that quite directly, mincing no words, but he also spoke about American values, something the last president never talked about. Uh, Mr. Secretary, your response? Well, the summits were very different, but summits are one thing. Actions are another, Tony, you know this. Uh, rhetoric only matters to the extent you're communicating a, a policy that demonstrates American strength and American resolve. And we always did that. Look at the actions that we took with respect to protecting America from the malign activity of Russians. I'd compare them to what the Biden administration's done and tell you that we've been much stronger. And I, I hope they'll get there. I, I, I want them to be successful. But to your point, he didn't, he didn't answer the question that Mr. Wallace asked him. He was asked about the cyber threats and President Biden said, hey, there's, there's, here's the target list, 16 things that you can't come after that really matter an awful lot to us. This is music to the ears of a former KGB agent. And I think they watched a president who wasn't prepared to respond forcefully in the very way that the Trump administration always did with respect to Russia, ranging from building up our military to providing defensive weapon systems for the Ukrainians. We spoke out on behalf of the Orthodox Church, which annoyed the Russians no end. All of these things were demonstrations of American commitment to make sure that we secured America from the threats that Russia posed to us. I hope this administration will match those and exceed them. You look at what's happening off the coast of Hawaii, where uh, Russia is engaged in the largest war game since uh, the Cold War. It would suggest to me that they are trying the uh, resolve of the Biden administration. You'll recall, Tony, at the beginning of the administration, they did a similar thing in the western part of Russia as well, a massive troop force buildup there as well. I think the cyber attack on the Colonial Pipeline, too, and the Russian government's response to that saying, hey, not me, we, didn't, we, didn't, we, we don't control this, I think those are all things that are testing this administration. They've, they've had two big successes already. They, they tested the administration on nuclear stability talks. Biden caved and gave them the New START treaty extension in exchange for nothing. They said, we're going to finish our pipeline, our Russian pipeline. The administration said, fine, we'll lift the sanctions on senior officials that are close to Vladimir Putin so that you can finish your darn pipeline. I think they've seen that pushing this administration around is possible. I, I hope, I, I really do. There's no evidence of it yet, but I do hope that this administration gets this right. It's really important for each and every one of us. Well, and I agree, and I, I, I thank you for uh, for your time, Mr. Secretary. And I, I would say this one point about I, everything I saw from the Trump administration, yourself included, 
American values always factored into the American first policy. And I'll just say one area is in the area of religious freedom that I know a little bit about. That was uh, a key part of many, many summits that the Trump administration had with some of these uh, foreign tyrants. Uh, so I, I think the record needs to be set straight on that one. I appreciate that. It was always a priority for me and for my team to make sure that we did everything we could to expand the range of individuals, human beings who have their own dignity because they're made in the image of God, uh, had an expanded capacity to worship in the way they saw fit. We made progress there. Obviously, Tony, remains an awful lot of work to do, but it was a real priority for us. Mike Pompeo, as always, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. All right. Uh, Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, I would just add this on, on Russia that the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, in reference to in the last segment, uh, we have recommended that Russia be uh, seen or be listed as a country of particular concern because of their human rights violation, in particular as it pertains to religious freedom. And I, I have no doubt that probably did not come up in the meeting that uh, President Biden had with uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin. These, the country of Russia under Putin is moving aggressively uh, in the wrong direction. And to, uh, to see us playing soft with them is, uh, is concerning. We're moving. We, too, are moving in the wrong direction as it pertains to Russia. Of course, that's in keeping with a lot of the foreign policy approaches of the Biden administration. All right, folks, uh, don't go away. Uh, We're going to talk more somewhat foreign policy, but we're going to be joined next by uh, Senator Tom Cotton is going to be here. We're going to discuss his outreach to members of the military who in mass numbers are reporting on what's happening inside the military with this critical race theory and this wokeism that is running rampant in our nation's military. So don't go away. A lot more Washington Watch to come right after this. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch on the American Family Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, and independent Christian radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. Since the Supreme Court decided Roe v. Wade in 1973, over 60 million people are now missing from our country due to legalized abortion. Public opinion, our knowledge of law, and scientific advancements demonstrate that Roe should by no means be considered settled law. Roe is an abomination in our country's history. And it's time for the horrendous practice of legalized abortion to end. To learn more about the legal, historical, and cultural reasons to overturn Roe v. Wade, go to frc.org slash Roe. The Equality Act sounds like good legislation and something that ought to have bipartisan support, but it doesn't. Why? Because the Equality Act, paradoxically, would spur inequality. It is Trojan horse legislation that would hinder equality and would massively overhaul our federal civil rights framework. The stated purpose of the bill is to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex, 
gender identity, and sexual orientation. The real effect of this bill would not be to eliminate discrimination, but to erase the freedom to hold a different opinion. The Equality Act would mandate government-imposed inequality by requiring acceptance of a particular ideology about sexual ethics, while leaving no room for legitimate public debate. Simply put, the Equality Act mandates an anti-life, anti-family, and anti-faith agenda throughout federal law and would be a disaster for all Americans. To learn more about the inequality of the Equality Act, visit frc.org slash Equality Act. Since June of 2015, over 12,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. This violence has reached a point at which experts are warning of a progressive genocide specifically targeting Christians across Africa's largest and most economically powerful nation. Yet this violence often goes unreported in the media, and if reported, is seriously downplayed. To learn more about what is actually taking place in Nigeria, along with other countries where Christians face persecution, visit frc.org slash Nigeria. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the biggest abortion supplier in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed 354,871 abortions in fiscal year 2019, up by over 9,000 abortions since 2018. According to these numbers, Planned Parenthood aborted 972 babies every single day. To learn more about what Planned Parenthood is really doing, visit frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts. back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And uh, let me remind you, information there about next week's School board boot camp. You want to run for the school board? Look, that is the cultural battleground of today with what is happening, the indoctrination that is really on steroids under the Biden administration. Go to TonyPerkins.com, follow the links over, hope you can join us. Also, um, between now and June 30th, we're coming up to the end of our fiscal year, and we need you to stand with us. This program and the underlying organization, Family Research Council, the mothership, uh, we take no federal money, no government money, period. We're here because of folks like you across the country. We've got team members standing by to take your call. We have a match. Every dollar you give will be matched right now. Call us, 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. Or you can donate online at TonyPerkins.com. Last month, late last month, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas and Congressman Dan Crenshaw of Texas launched a campaign encouraging military members to reach out to them if they're, quote, being taught that the military is a systematically racist institution, that America is a fundamental, fundamentally racist country, or that any race of Americans is inherently an oppressor or victim, end quote. Well, we're beginning to find out more firsthand uh, just how prevalent this is. Earlier today, uh, during a Senate Armed Services Committee, Senator Cotton gives a sampling of what's included in the reading list that the Admiral, the Chief of Navy Operations, Admiral Michael Gilday, is promoting to sailors. Watch this. It's a criticism of your decision to include these books on your professional reading list, which ensigns and sailors across your service take very seriously. So I just want to give you a sampling of some of the things that are included in books like this. 
uh, that the notion that capitalism is essentially racist and racism is essentially capitalist, that the only remedy for past discrimination is present discrimination, the only remedy for present discrimination is future discrimination, that some individuals by virtue of his or her race are inherently oppressive uh, or privileged while others are victimized or oppressed. Joining me now from Capitol Hill, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas. Senator, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, I, I watched the exchange uh, between you and Admiral Gilday t- today, and I quite frankly, was shocked that he would have these books on his reading list. And then when you specifically asked him if he thought capitalism was racist, he refused to answer the question twice. Yeah, Tony, it's a, it was a disappointing exchange. Um, Admiral Gilday had a similar exchange last week with the House Armed Services Committee, and we discussed it on the phone as well. Um, he's very dug in uh, on his bad decision to include um, these uh, books by uh, charlatans on critical race theory on his professional reading list. It would have been better for him when this was first brought to his attention, simply confess error and acknowledge the reality that it was probably some clueless colonel who recommended these books in the first place. Um, but they really have no business being on a service chief's reading list. Those reading lists should be focused on teaching young officers and young troopers how to lead, how to perform their craft well, how to learn from the history and biographies of those that went before them. They should be focused on teaching about how to win real wars, not culture wars. Well, I thought you made an extremely uh, poignant uh, illustration when you went through a litany of uh, naval problems, problems within the Navy. One in particular you pointed to was a few years back under the Biden, under the uh, Obama administration, uh, when uh, a, a Navy uh, vessel was captured by a uh, basically an Iranian speedboat. Uh, they ca- they uh, surrendered to them, and 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 part of the problem back then was the, uh, the the training that had nothing to do with military training, everything to do with diversity, everything to do with the, 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 the sexual components that the Obama administration put on it. But it's even worse today. And I think through your outreach, you're hearing that from members of the military. I am, Tony. Congressman Crenshaw and I have opened up um, a line of communication for uh our service members any rank to anonymously and confidentially submit stories we've heard. It's very alarming what we've seen from frontline unit training um, to the service academies, to our professional military schools like the war colleges, for instance. Um, it's not just about matters on you know, race and gender theories, but, you know, we hear stories of, of majors and colonels having to sit through classes on climate change. Um, when they should, again, be focused on tactical and operational excellence and developing leadership skills. Uh, These are all things that, at a minimum, waste a lot of time for our young and mid-career troopers, uh, but also probably undermine morale and unit cohesion and integrity by teaching them that the most important thing about each other is not – who they are as an individual or the fact that they all raised their hand, took an oath to our Constitution and to defend it uh, and to fight for the man and woman on the right or left, but rather it's their race. Um, and I suspect this, 
China and Russia, if they wanted to try to undermine unit morale and unit cohesion, would probably not think of a much better strategy than assigning books like Ibrahim Kendi's writings, uh, which are openly calling for racially discriminatory policies by governments at all levels. Senator Cotton, I'm certain that the level of correspondence that I've gotten from members of the military pales in comparison to what you have gotten because I've not intentionally reached out. But I do have a lot of military members that listen to this program, and I get email correspondence. You talk about morale. One of the things that I've seen and read from those members is that many of them who have the time are going to get out. They're wanting to exit the military. I have to believe that this type of focus uh, in our military is going to hurt retention and, I would think, hurt recruiting. Yeah, I don't think there's much doubt about that, Tony. We've heard that directly from service members. You know, we heard uh, from one person who said that he was tired of these indoctrination sessions and he didn't think he was going to be able to get ahead in a military that's so focused on these issues as opposed to tactical and operational excellence, and he planned to leave when his uh, enlistment contract was up. We heard from another uh, officer who had a young woman uh, who said that she did not realize the Air Force was such a racist institution when she enlisted, and she never would have enlisted if that was the case. These are the kind of things that kind of silently corrode morale and cohesion um, and ultimately get back to points you raised, retaining our best people and recruiting the best people as well. Uh, Senator Cotton, I want to uh, address a remedy uh, because, you know, there's a lot of problems in the Biden administration, and given the current makeup of Congress, there's very little we can do. But uh, you have put something on the table that actually uh, we were we used back during the Obama years to remind these officers that, look, you're there in our nation's military and you're supposed to be beyond politics. But each one of those general officers, once they hit uh, those uh, one and two stars, they got to come before uh, the Senate to have that promotion confirmed. And so you, as a senator, you guys play a role in whether or not these men and women have what it what it takes to truly lead a military that can defend this country yeah tony we get thousands tens of thousands of military promotions every year in front of the armed services committee in the senate down to lieutenants uh it is just a matter of course to voice those out in blocks of hundreds or thousands from the committee and then do the same thing on the senate floor we don't have to do that though uh now i'm not talking about holding up nominations for lieutenants to become captains. But, you know, there are not that many generals in our military, and it wouldn't be that hard to scrutinize their commands and to see whether or not they permitted or even encouraged these kind of quasi-struggle sessions in their command. Uh, And that may be something that we have to start considering um, if the uh, Department of Defense doesn't take this seriously. Now, some of this is... um, some of this, I, I think it's good just that you're talking about it, that I'm highlighting these hearings, that we have this whistleblower uh, site, uh, because it shines a lot of sunlight on the problem. And a lot of these commanders probably don't want the political controversy, and they'd be happy to fight, again, to focus on fighting real wars as opposed to being enlisted in culture wars by the Democrats in charge of the Department of Defense and at the White House. So I hope that just the sunlight itself 
will help solve the problem. Uh, but if it doesn't, we may need to take further action. Well, there are some, I was just reading a, a, a couple of articles where there are some officers in the military that are aggressively pursuing this, using as an opportunity. We saw the same things back during the Obama years. So I think different tactics are going to be required uh, to, uh, to weed those type of individuals out of the leadership of our nation's military uh, that are using this as an opportunity to advance an elect, a leftist agenda. Um, Senator, before we run out of time, I want to make sure... As I mentioned, we have a number of uh, active duty, military, reservists that listen to this program across the country. How can they uh, get information to you? Uh, it's very simple, Tony. They can get our contact information at my website, cotton.senate.gov. Um, again, we've heard from hundreds of service members and veterans over just the last month. We would encourage anyone listening who has similar stories they want to share um, concerns they've seen, whether it's in their unit or in one of these schools, they should contact us. Uh, we'll keep their information confidential. They can even do so anonymously if they choose. Um, but uh, the more that we can gather in terms of information from the front lines about what's happening in our service, the harder it will be for some of the political appointees at the Department of Defense and some of these, frankly, politicized flag officers from denying what is happening in their commands and their services. So what is the uh, what's the plan? Uh, what what will you be doing with this, and, and when might you be do might you do something with it? Um, so so probably the first step we'll have to to take legislative action on the matter will be um, next month when the Senate begins the process of writing the annual defense bill in the Armed Services Committee. Um, as I said, I may also have to start stop uh, granting consent to just wave through uh, nominations for promotion of general officers. Um, and, uh, and like I said, I, I do hope that a, a lot of the sunlight that we're shining on this, both in your program and other forums, um, help senior military leaders realize that they need to knock it off and they need to get back to real wars, not culture wars. So outside the military, those who are concerned about national security, that are concerned about the direction they see our military going, knowing that oftentimes it's a vanguard to the culture, what can they do at this point? You know, in the lead-in, Tony, uh, I heard you talking about your school board boot camp. I think that is a great initiative. Uh, and over the last few months, I have been encouraging more and more Kansans, and when I travel the country, more Americans to get involved in local school board races. These are grassroots politics at their best. At, at most, maybe a few yard signs and a few Google ads, um, Facebook pages. Um, this is people acting in their community in the best interests of their children, the best interests of our country. Uh, and if you have concerns about what your children are learning, or you have concerns if you're an empty nester, you haven't had kids yet, about what your school is teaching the future of your community and the future of our country, I would encourage all of your listeners to think about a run for school board. Um, there may be no greater value in terms of the input it takes to run and win a campaign and the effect you can have on the country's future than your local school board. Yeah, absolutely, because I think what we're seeing, the, the fertile soil for the leftist agenda in the military was prepared in our public schools uh, a, a decade or so ago. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll encourage the men and women who serve in our nation's military that have seen these things up front and personal uh, to reach out to your website and get that information to you. Thank you, Tony. All right, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas. I am so glad uh, we've got 
men and women like him, and we do have a number of them. Thank you for sending them here. Continue to support those conservatives. And by the way, okay, go to TonyPerkins.com. I'll have a link to his site. If you didn't didn't get his site, go to TonyPerkins.com, follow the links over. And if you're in the military and you've seen this, please, I've heard from many of you, and I'm grateful that you reach out to us. And feel free to email me, Tony, at TonyPerkins.com. Um, But unless you tell me to, I don't share that information uh, because I want to protect your confidentiality. But I encourage you to to go to his website also to uh, reiterate what he said about uh, the school boards. Folks, this is a way we can make a difference. We can either curse the darkness or we can shine a light. And I want to encourage you next Tuesday, June the 29th, join us for FRC Action School Board Boot camp. It'll be from 12:30 to 4:30 Eastern time. Uh, this is uh, real basic. We're going to be teaming up with the Leadership Institute uh, to share resources and advice on how to prepare a campaign. Uh, we'll have experts that served in the Trump administration, the Department of Education. I'll be there. General Boykin will be there. I hope you will be there as well. Go to TonyPerkins.com and sign up and join us next Tuesday for the FRC Action School Board Boot Camp. Also, on the way out, we still have team members waiting to take your phone call to stand with us as we stand for freedom here in our nation's capital. 800-225-4008. They'll be standing by to hear from you. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, And when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.